We're about three or four weeks into the semester, which means that you've either just taken your first exams or you're preparing to take your first exams. Either way, you're probably feeling the stress of all of your professors putting all of their exams in one week and you're like, why the heck would you do this to us? And if that is you, don't worry. In this episode, we're going to be giving some techniques from students about how to de-stress so that you're worried less about the stress and more about the studying. Here's Isaac, a student at the University of California, San Diego, and he's going to be talking about why exam season is so stressful for students. I think that the most stressful part about exam season is the demands this time often brings. Students typically already have to balance work, school, extracurriculars, and daily living tasks that are already difficult for many students. And once we enter exam season, we begin throwing into the mix balancing studying and even our own stress. We essentially go into the survivor mode mentality where studying for exams is the main thing we prioritize, sacrificing sleep, sacrificing eating, and sacrificing basic necessities that are essential to our well-being, all in the name of passing an exam or improving our grade. I think that that survivor mentality is what makes exams the most stressful during college. And that survivor mentality only gets worse as the semester goes on. At the beginning of the year, you're probably like, okay, this exam is great. And let's say you get a B on it. And that's good for that time being. But as you start doing more work in the class, you get less and less good grades. And then all of a sudden, towards the end of the year, instead of only needing a B or C to pass your class, you need an A. And that's when survivor mode really comes into play. And that's why it's so important to get off to a good start. Now, getting off to that good start is sort of step one. But throughout the whole year, you're going to be needing to do things to make sure that you're not slipping back into that survivor mode throughout the rest of the semester. So how do we do that? In order to combat that stress, I've learned to start prioritizing my well-being, which is a lot easier said than done. To do so does not mean to simply do a face mask every once in a while or to have a bath not to degrade or dismiss the benefits of those self-care acts. I'm just going to jump in real quick because I know there's a lot of guys that listen to this show. And even though Isaac is poking fun at like face masks and taking baths and everything like that, I used to honestly do the same until I actually took one like a bath. And it's honestly super refreshing. And then I do face masks with my girlfriend as well. And I can honestly say that if you're looking for like a short term thing to give you a little bit of stress relief, these sort of things can really help. Now, of course, that's more of a band-aid instead of actually fixing the problem. So let's jump back into what Isaac had to say. There's a difference between that one time act of self-care and consistently practicing self-empathy and self-forgiveness. That may seem like an impossible task during a stressful exam season, but to consistently practice self-empathy means to consistently check in with yourself. It means asking yourself questions like, have you drank enough water today? Did you have a proper meal today or are you on your fifth coffee of the day with little to no food in your body? And are you absorbing what you are studying or are you panic watching lectures at two times speed, hoping that you'll remember at least a bit of the content during the exam? To truly overcome the stress means to honestly start being patient with yourself, to be self-caring, and to forgive yourself for the delays or the bumps in the road you may have with studying. And let's be honest, it can be really hard to ask yourself those questions, let alone answer them as honest as possible. It's going to take some deep digging, but if you can honestly answer those questions to yourself, you're sort of on the right track. And what I mean by this is there are a lot of times where we sort of lie to ourselves about what we can actually do, right? 
I mean, whether that's just saying yes to too many things and putting so many things on our plate that we can't even achieve any of them, or if it's saying that we're going to cram for five hours and then in reality, we're only studying for two and then on our phone for three. And then when we get to the exam, we're like, why the heck do I not know any of this stuff? I think one of the biggest battles that students have is just being realistic with what they can accomplish. I mean, you're probably put under so much pressure to succeed in college, right? That could be from your parents, your professors, your friends, whatever that may be. And they may be telling you to do so many different things right now in your life, right? I mean, you've got to get a good job. You've got to get experience on your resume. You've also got to get good grades. You've got to start applying to grad school. There's so many different variables that people are always throwing at you. And because of that, you might think that you have to say yes to everything. But if you say yes to everything and you don't manage your expectations of what's realistic, then you end up not being 100% focused on anything that you actually do. So instead of getting really good at doing maybe two or three things, you get half as good at doing 10 things. But in the back of your head, you still think that you can be really good at those 10 things, which leads to a disconnect between reality and then your expectations. Now, one of the other problems in college is really just trying to understand what's actually going to be on an exam. I mean, I can almost promise you that every class, whenever your professor's going over a topic, someone will raise their hand and say, hey, professor, is this going to be on the exam? If I'm wrong and you're in a class and no one actually raises their hand and says that, shoot me an email at justin at getyourgrindup.com. I've got a surprise for you. But if I am right, go ahead to iTunes right now, look up Declassified College Podcast and leave us a review because I'm just predicting the future. But seriously, knowing what is and what isn't going to be on an exam can really help you optimize the time that you're studying before that exam. But how do you do that? I would say, you know, when I'm listening to the professor during our lessons every day, I really try and cue in on the major themes, ideas, or specific pieces of information that the professor um, continually, you know, hones in on and, and addresses. Um, I really do write down extensive notes and, um, you know, as each lesson is taught every day. And I tend to give much more detail on the elements of the lesson that the professor emphasizes um, I even star some of the sections that I really find to be the most important. That way, when I'm going back through my notes, I can really focus on that. That was Nick, who's a student at Wake Forest. And I used to do exactly what Nick was talking about when I was in college. I got pretty good at sort of emotional intelligence and understanding when teachers would emphasize certain things versus not emphasize certain things while they were teaching. And anytime I heard a professor emphasize a word or spend way too long on a topic, I would put a star next to that topic on my notes. That allowed me so that when I went back to go look at my notes, I knew exactly what to focus on before studying for the exam. So that meant that let's just say I was spending eight hours studying for an exam. I would spend six hours on the starred material and then two hours on everything else because they were, quote unquote, not as important, according to my professor. So I wanted to ask Isaac if there had been any tactics that he tried himself that didn't really work for him, but it might work for someone like you. Something that I tried to do during my first few years of college that personally didn't work for me, but may work for other people, is rewatching lecture and taking lengthy, super pretty notes. I was one of those students who had my Muji pens, I had my Mildliner highlighters, and my notes were all in seven different colors, and they were all pretty and cute. But did I actually absorb the content from the materials? No. 
And oftentimes I would fall behind on these notes just because of how time consuming it was making them nice and organized and copying down materials that I consumed from the lecture, the textbook and the different uh, practice sets and such that my professors would assign. But because of how overwhelming it became, it essentially became another task to check off my seemingly never ending to do list rather than a means for me to review content. While I think that this style of review could be beneficial for other students, I think that it definitely is a demanding review method and that it does require you to be on top of it and um, to consistently uh, practice it. But if you're on top of it and writing things physically works for you, then I highly recommend it. And I'm gonna be honest, those note-taking videos on YouTube are super satisfying, and I wish I was one of those people that would take notes like that, but just like what Isaac said, it was just way too time-consuming for someone like me to do. Saying all that, that's not saying that it's useless, and for a lot of people, it really helps them. So if you're that type of person that really likes to see in color, or maybe you're more of a creative person, this might help you out. And lastly, you know we always have to end off with one final cheat code, so here's Nick. Finally, what is a cheat code I would recommend to any student going into college? I would definitely say to take advantage of any opportunity the professor gives that allows for a more personal experience with them. And specifically, what that comes in is the form of office hours. So a professor is going to allot some of their personal time to helping to, you know, develop a student's understanding of any topic that is discussed during the course. And frankly, they're also going to be much more open to giving information about tests from what I personally found. And that's really what it comes down to when trying to, you know, comb through all the information that they give you when studying for an exam. Um, so, you know, getting it from the source, getting that information right from the professor is incredibly helpful. And I would recommend jumping on any opportunity to really speak with them in a small group. Here's how I look at office hours and like even career coaching on campus. Think about when you first hung out with your best friend. That first time that you hung out with them was probably a little awkward. Maybe you learned a little bit about them, but that was really about it. But over time, let's just say after the third or fourth or fifth meeting, they start to open up to you and start sharing some things that they might not share with other people. Now, with your friend, that might be going to a place that maybe he or she wasn't supposed to be going to. But for your professor, that could literally mean telling you what's going to be on the exam. Maybe not the exact questions, but just sharing, hey, maybe check out this topic or spend more time studying this topic because it's probably going to be a big portion of this next exam. You might think I'm lying, but honestly, go to your professor's office hours three, four, five, six, seven times during a semester, and you might be surprised at what he or she is willing to share to you. And for all of you still listening all the way to the end, I've got a secret surprise just for you. Declassified just opened up a job board, and you can see all the jobs and internships that we've got listed in the show notes below. Right now, we're just focused on the product, computer science, and business world of internships and jobs, but if you've got another subject or industry that you want us to hit, shoot us an email at justin at getyourgrindup.com. We've got over 60 positions listed on there right now, and the craziest part about it is that there are some jobs and positions on there that aren't even featured on places like LinkedIn, Indeed, and Monster. And... Well, that's about it. I'm out.